I'm Archbishop Alan Vigneron of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and this is the Eyes on Jesus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Archbishop Alan Vigneron. I'm your host, Mike Chamberland. And I'm your host, Mary Wilkerson. We are excited to release new episodes once a month, so please make sure to subscribe and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Archbishop, welcome and thank you so much again for joining us. Great to be with you, Mike. Great to be with you, Mary. Thank you. Archbishop, how have you been? How was your last month and uh, what's kind of been new in your life? Well, it's been a great month. Uh, I'm glad that spring finally came uh, and it came with a lot of uh, zest here where I live. Uh, The roses uh, seems like within 36 hours they went from uh, uh, winter hibernation to blooming in in power. So I think uh, I enjoy this time of year very, very much. And you can hang with the heat of the summer? Well, um, I don't. I like the spring freshness. Uh, yes. Summer, summer's a little bit more of a challenge. Right. But I right. do. I've, I've come to an age where I prefer it to snow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Versus the really crazy heat. Well, I have to ask you. In support of the National Eucharistic Revival, you recently celebrated Mass and led a Eucharistic procession from the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament to Sacred Heart Major Seminary. It's about a two-mile walk. I got to see some footage online of the procession. It looked really beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about the Eucharist, the Eucharistic revival and how the procession was being in it? Well, I'll start with the procession. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, it was oh. a God blessed us with a beautiful day. Uh, we walked uh, principally along Chicago Boulevard, uh, from uh, here at the cathedral to to the seminary. People were very devout. Uh, I think it was uh, a way to both build up uh, the, uh, the grace of those who participated and a great witness uh, f- to uh, the world of uh, that God is with us. He walks with us on the journey. The Eucharistic Revival is an effort that uh, the bishops have sponsored three years, uh, starts at the grassroots and moves up uh, to the regional and then finally the national level. Mm. And it's a way to uh, try and uh, recoup the church's confidence, the confidence of so many of the faithful in the real presence of the Blessed Sacrament and invite people to be with us in the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And it will end uh, with a Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis on uh, in the middle of July in 2024. It's an evangelizing effort, specifically through the focus of the the Most Blessed Sacrament. I'll say, I do think that there were more processions just watching different priest friends in different parishes. It seemed like there were quite a few in the Archdiocese of Detroit, along with the one that you um, led. And it was pretty powerful to see, you know, the body, blood, soul, and divinity led through these neighborhoods. It was really great. I think it's a beautiful uh, expression of the reality of the Eucharist, what the grace is. And uh, by joining in this act of devotion, uh, our own commitment to the Eucharist and sharing the Eucharist is strengthened. For sure. My son was able to be a candle bearer in our parish's Eucharistic procession. And he's 11. He had never done it before. And I was a little worried because, you know, he had the the altar server outfit on and then he was holding this candle for, and it was quite a bit of a distance. And he said afterwards his hands were sweating and his hands were shaking from holding it so long. But about halfway through the day, he turned to me and he's like, Mom, that was so cool to be a part of. And it was really neat as a mom. It was very edifying to hear him say that. Yeah. 
very cool. Praise God. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I always think about that too. You know, you, you priests that are holding that monstrance, you gotta, your arm's got to be killing you by the time you're done for two miles, Archbishop. Well, we did a relay. Yeah, uh, I'll funny. be honest. Yes, I actually... <laughs> I very grateful for the help. I text a friend who was doing the procession with you, and I said, how did the archbishop carry that for two miles? <laughs> so he said he said that you were able to switch the monsters around a little bit. So praise God for that, too, that yeah. leaning into the body of Christ. That's awesome. You know what I thought of uh, once I had the privilege of uh, uh, carrying the monstrance uh, for the blessing, the Eucharistic blessing of the sick at Lourdes. They do that every mm. afternoon. Oh, wow. And uh, the priest walks through uh, oh. the lines, the aisles of the sick people who are on their stretchers and in front of the basilica. I was thinking about that during the procession, mm. the healing power of the Eucharist. Yep. Such a profound witness. Awesome. Well, I know also it's no coincidence that this Eucharistic revival is launching around the same time as our uh, local year of prayer for priestly vocations, um, and which is obviously the topic of our episode for today and stuff. Archbishop, did you want to explain or kind of expand on that relationship between those two, the Eucharistic Revival and our uh, local year of prayer for priestly vocations? Well, Mike, uh, we didn't plan on them coinciding, but I think it's providential that they coincide precisely because uh, the Eucharist uh, is... Uh, uh, given to us through the hands of the priests who are given mm. to us mm. ultimately from the hands of Christ, our high priest. Mm -hmm. uh, the Eucharist is an unmerited gift. Uh, it's not a lifestyle choice, and uh, we need priests to help us uh, have the Eucharist to uh, serve us by uh, making this grace, the grace of Christ present in, in our midst. It's funny to kind of transition right into talking about the year of prayer for priestly vocations. I did find it, I noticed that it's not just a prayer for vo uh, a year of vocations, it's a year of praying for priestly vocations. What does that mean, Archbishop? What is a year of prayer and how is that established in the church? Well, uh, any bishop can, the diocese, to pray more intensely for a particular uh, intention. Uh, during a, a year, focus the prayers of the people that way. Uh, what does the prayer mean for vocations? Well, this is actually very clearly a command of the Lord. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. So we're 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 just a, we're being obedient disciples, I think, in in a very intense way, uh, and recognizing that uh, while we can follow a lot of strategies to try and encourage vocations, mm -hmm. ultimately it's the Lord's work. And I would say two, two ways. One, the Lord's work of calling men to uh, share in his priesthood, and the Lord's work in giving uh, those he calls the, uh, the grace of being able to hear. And I think uh, the people of God, uh, we priests and our people, are instruments for both of those kinds of graces uh, to uh, ask likely candidates, is the Lord calling you? And then uh, for those who are called to give them encouragement because uh, it's very countercultural, obviously, to mm -hmm. respond to this vocation today. And uh, it, it takes courage. It always has taken courage. Our Lord uh, 
I, when I give my vocation talk, I always point out that Jesus' recruitment speech started this way. I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Mm. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you talking to me? <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, really. I can't imagine yeah. anything more right. pleasant. Right. But uh, it's the very nature of uh, sharing in the priesthood of Christ. I mean, mm. and our Lord, it, it's one further manifestation of what the Lord said is true about every disciple. If you, if we're not willing to take up our crosses and come after Him, we're not uh, worthy of being His disciples. Right. At that courage piece, I know you, you spoke about it in your pastoral letter and then in, in your homily, and I know you mentioned it at the, the Archbishop's Gala, this importance of being bold and courageous to answer the call. And I think you're doing a really wonderful job um, explaining that piece of it, um, being willing to step up and accept the, the boldness that's necessary to follow our vocations. One quote that you said in the pastoral uh, note that I think is so good he said, God has not stopped calling men to serve his shepherds as his shepherds. He continues to issue his call, but too many young men are struggling to hear and to respond to this call. It is our duty to help them hear God's voice and respond to his invitation with joy. And can I ask you, Archbishop, do you think that for you know the average Catholic in the Archdiocese of Detroit, one of the ways we do that most profoundly right is through prayer? Certainly. Uh, uh, it's it's a grace. Uh, courage is one of the the it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we mm -hmm. can't uh, manufacture this in, in our own uh, efforts. We have to cooperate with the the gift, but it it's a, a gift of the Spirit, and we pray for it for for those who are invited to share in the ministry. Mm. Archbishop, I know uh, last month in Pentecost, obviously. You, you called for or asked for this uh, year, year coming up of prayer for priestly vocations, but you also, uh, and we've already made reference to it, released with it a pastoral note about this specific uh, year of prayer. Uh, I know sometimes you can obviously just make an announcement or call our diocese to do something or, or request that we do something, but you are obviously tied with it a, a, an actual pastoral note. Um, I know Mary already quoted it, but would you mind just kind of um, delineating for us just like a few of kind of the highlights of the points of, of why you chose to release a note and and what were some of the, you know, the contents of it? Well, uh, I think it's very helpful to uh, give people an explanation of uh, uh, a challenge, not not simply uh, set it forth, but uh, very important for us pastors to explain and give a catechesis about what's going on. And uh, the note is an attempt to do that, to uh, continue to explain how the year of prayer is tied to uh, the, uh, the impulse of the synod, the, uh, the commitment we've made to be a, a church on mission, uh, explaining then that uh, this is not about getting more uh, workers for the organization, uh, but it's about getting more laborers in uh, the work of the vineyard for the, because the harvest is great, as the Lord said. Um, it's important to explain the facts uh, that people understand that uh, in the next 10 years we will uh, experience a, a very sharp decrease in the number of parish priests who are available, which means uh, a decrease in the number of uh, workers in the, in the vineyard. 
and that's very concerning to all of us. It, it ought to be. And uh, then to talk about what the priesthood is and uh, how vo vocations are offered as a grace and why we need to pray in, in response, that prayer is the, the most important response. And also, I tried to be sure in talking about the urgency of this uh, prayer, uh, not to uh, cause uh, stewing, as I put it, I think, stewing in, uh, in anxiety. God will provide. And we need to be confident that he hears these prayers and he will respond in the way that, uh, that fulfills his providential design. You referenced the, um, the shortage of priests that we're experiencing. And I know that you do some work with the USCCB. Is this unique to the Archdiocese of Detroit? Is this being felt across the United States, across the world? What's kind of the, the state of priestly vocations right now? I think, uh, let, let's start the world. As far as I understand, uh, it's, uh, it's a greater challenge in uh, the more developed parts of, of the world, North America. Mm. Actually, also, I believe in, in South America. I, I don't know that it's such a great problem in Africa. Mm. But uh, in more tr places where the faith has uh, existed for, uh, been implanted for a longer time, it, it's a difficulty. In the United States, it varies from uh, one kind of social milieu to another. Uh, it's my understanding where family life is still a little more traditional, uh, mm. there are more vocations. Mm. But in places like Detroit, uh, Los Angeles, New York, uh, uh, Milwaukee, uh, it's, it's a challenge. Mm. One of the reasons that I uh, was uh, moved to call for this year of prayer. It was the example of my brother, the Archbishop of uh, Cincinnati. He did this a few years ago, and it's borne remarkably great fruit in the Diocese really? of Cincinnati, right? Huh. In terms of more vocations? Yes. Yeah, wow. Exactly. That's a powerful Beautiful. witness to see yeah. um, the correlation, you know, when you get to see the fruits. And I love that you referenced it's with expectation that the Lord will provide when we when we are willing to pray and trust in Him. Yes. Yes, because that that's the that's really the the whole point of the Christian life mm. is to learn to be uh, uh, confident daughters and sons of the Father, and everything that He permits in our lives is part of His uh, uh, tutorial about being uh, trusting. Uh, children. <laughs> I like that you use the word tutorial there. Like it's a, you know, like it's just, it's just a constant teaching and unveiling and then real, you know, like um, constantly he's drawing us and teaching us through that way. So that's beautiful. I know Archbishop, you also, um, our year of prayer launched last month with a holy hour, specifically on the vigil of Pentecost. And um, I know you did that specifically, you invited the entire archdiocese and specifically priests uh, to, to pray with you, to spend this hour with you. What made you decide to launch this year in that way? And um, I don't know if you just want to speak a little bit into how that went, um, that, that holy hour for to kick off this year. It, uh, well, the, the uh, choice of the day was because of uh, it being the morning of the day before Pentecost, the morning of the Vigil of Pentecost, which is the usual time when over these last couple of decades, 
uh, we've had priestly ordinations, and since we didn't have one this year, it seemed like an, a very poignant time to start this effort of prayer. Holy hours seemed uh, a, a good uh, vehicle. Uh, it, instead of simply talking about it, uh, to have uh, an official archdiocesan prayer in, in the presence of the Most Blessed Sacrament. Uh, and uh, for those of us who were able to be there, uh, to in some ways be representative of the whole archdiocese. Uh, we did live stream it. I'm sure people, some people participated uh, via live stream, but it was a way for uh, a representative group of the archdiocese to be able to uh, to launch the year, in some sense to consecrate uh, the first fruits of the year. And I was very grateful for, for all the people who came. It seems like it was well attended too, that there was a lot of energy. I think those of us Catholics that are um, engaged in the archdiocese, it's something we want so desperately that uh, to kind of revive and trust the vocations within our archdiocese. We love our family, and uh, we want our family of faith to flourish. Let me ask you a question, because I know, and I think, Mike, you might have referenced this, or the Archbishop, that there were no priestly vocations this year, that there's there's plenty of men studying in the seminary to be priests, but this year we didn't have any vocations. And I know we talk so much about hope on this podcast, too. What is that blend of being, um, I don't know, nervous about the fact that it seems like vocations has gone down, but also having confidence in God? How is that for you as our shepherd in the Archdiocese of Detroit to have confidence that God will respond in grace, even though sometimes there's these really clear signs that uh, that vocations have, uh, that men are not responding to the call as um, yeah. as they used to? <laughs> Uh, I'm getting my tutorial every day. <laughs> right. That's what I'm trying to say. It seems Sometimes it seems like a little bit of a dire situation. Well, uh, and, uh, you know, that's what St. Peter mm. felt like when he was walking on water, and it, it started to give <laughs> way, right? Yes. <laughs> and uh, so uh, in my prayer, I hear Jesus say, Oh, you of little uh, faith, why uh, do you doubt? That's funny. It makes me think in my prayer group, before you actually announced this year of prayer for priestly vocations, a woman that I pray with, she's a mom and she has sons, and she was talking about that she just has such a heart for priestly vocations. And she said, within our parish, I am committing to praying that our parish brings forth 10 men. She's like, I'm going to be very specific with the Lord, and I would like 10 men to come forth from our parish through this year of prayer for vocation. And listening to her faith, she was so confident that the Lord is going to respond if we ask him in faith if your faith is just like a, a little mustard seed you can say to this mm. mountain be thrown yeah. into the sea yeah well you know what they say every preacher is first of all preaching right. to himself and uh, i i will acknowledge that that uh, uh, as uh, concerned as i am i know i'm being summoned to cast all my cares right. on the Lord. Well, and we began by talking about the Eucharistic procession. And um, from the footage I saw of it, it seemed like there were so many people there, right, when you were walking with our Lord at the Feast of Corpus Christi. They, they told me maybe yeah, 500. See, it's, that's, that's kind of the, I don't know, there's a witness there in terms of what we're doing in the Archdiocese of Detroit, I think, and that God is responding. So it's important to hold on to those things. It is. And uh, like you said, Mary, uh, it was one of many uh, because it was from the cathedral and I was presiding. I think it, it gave it a kind of uh, official mm -hmm. character. 
but not to be forgotten are all mm -hmm. the parishes that had uh, Corpus Christi yeah. processions yeah. this year. You know, Archbishop, so I guess also, you know, we t talked about Pentecost and kind of this pastoral letter and, you know, the holy hour in which you kicked off this year of prayer. Um, so what's next? I mean, what, what's next for this year of prayer and how does it continue? What does it look like moving forward for the Archdiocese of Detroit, uh, given this year and what you've called for with, from your letter? Well, I've really entrusted the, the very shaping of the effort to Father Craig Guerra, who's the vocation director. And uh, through the uh, Office of uh, uh, Evangelization and uh, Missionary Discipleship, we have a whole set of programs that parishes can use. Uh, most important, I think, is to pray for vocations at uh, every uh, Lord's Day Mass, uh, the Saturday night vigil, the Sunday Mass, make it part of the prayers of the faithful. Uh, I think that's, that's, a, that's just a given. It's very, very important. Uh, then to have uh, uh, holy hours in the parish, uh, to, we have a program for catechesis, the way uh, religion teachers and catechists can uh, insert the theme of responding to one's vocation to holiness and particularly responding to priestly vocation for those who are called uh, to insert that into their instruction. So we have a whole range of resources that are available and they're already been uh, sent out online to, for the, the catechists and the parish priests. But we need to make it uh, something that I lead in, in appropriate mm -hmm. ways, but also that's uh, very much a grassroots effort. Uh, like Mary said, uh, what's going on in her mm -hmm. prayer group, that, that's very, very important. I thought about that too with um, with the prayer that, and I think we'll end the podcast today with kind of the official prayer of this year. Our parish has begun praying that um, after the Eucharist at Mass, or maybe it's right after Mass. And I, you know, with a mom who has an 11, 10, and nine year old, uh, all boys, I love that they're praying every day in this way. And that I think just even making the language of vocations more common within our parishes, within our catechesis, within our religion classes, that's really important to get young men at young ages thinking about vocation. I know, Archbishop, you've shared that that as a young person, you were already thinking about, I mean, didn't you go, you went to the seminary when you were in high school. Am I correct? Yeah. Right. I went to, to the minor seminary at uh, Yeah, ninth I think grade. there's something really powerful, especially for young boys, um, when they can see and witness the community praying for the possibility of vocations. I think they can consider it in their hearts in a little bit of a different way. It's just a normal part of our family conversation. And I think that in itself is, will be helpful and will bear much for And I think uh, having the conversation uh, among in families where not everybody who is part of the conversation is obviously mm -hmm. called mm -hmm. to the priesthood, but everybody has a vocation, and so thinking about the possibility of priestly vocation really uh, shines a light on all the other vocations in the life of the church, too, because they all take courage mm -hmm. today. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, Mike, you asked about uh, uh, what, what's going on. Another thing that uh, we're recommending is particularly uh, to be attentive to First Fridays. I mean, we're called to abstain from meat on Fridays. Uh, that can be offered very much on the first Friday of the month in honor of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Prayer and fasting on uh, uh, the first Friday is very good because the, the heart of Jesus is the model of the priestly heart. 
And another thing uh, we're recommending is uh, the celebrating, offering the luminous mysteries to pray for priestly vocations. I think uh, that's a very good way for, uh, for people to, uh, to make this prayer part mm. of their life. Yeah, amen. I know, uh, going back to kind of what was shared earlier, too, I know, when, Mary, when you were referencing, you know, your, your, your three young boys and just kind of the witness it is of saying this prayer at church and everything, and, uh, um, you know, for all of our, our family listeners, you know, I think it's a, it's a very different question to ask, what do you want to be when you grow up, as opposed to what does God want you to be when you grow up? That, that's a different question altogether. What, is, what does God want for you when you grow up? And even in a very strong Catholic family that I was raised in, I, you know, not to, you know, my parents were wonderful, and of course that did come into play, but it was never really asked in that way, you know? So I don't know, what do you think about that thought, Archbishop, of that kind of question? Or Mary, as a mother, what do you think about that kind of reference point? I'll go after Mary. <laughs> she's always, she's very smart. That's funny. Well, it's you know true. what I was what I was thinking about, Mike. Honestly, when you were answering, when I was younger, um, I don't know, and I probably did and didn't notice. I don't know if I had met very many witnesses of um, priests and religious who were joyful uh, in their vocation. I just can't remember. And I know Archbishop mm-hmm. Vinger, and you've mm-hmm. talked about a lot of um, having that experience of having mentors who were involved in the faith. I know you always reference that um, the sister who was your teacher in elementary school. And I don't know if I had that witness, but one thing I think is really profound, Mike, is that my kids do. The the priests and seminarians and religious that have been around our family are so joyful within their vocation that it makes that conversation of what does God want from you a little more accessible to them because the idea of living their faith in this way, right, being called to the priesthood, it, it doesn't seem, I don't know, it seemed really daunting to me when I was young. And I know my kids get excited about it because of the witness that people are providing. So I think um, that helps them consider what God might want in terms of serving in the church in a in new and vibrant way. And so I think that's a real gift that we've had in terms of charism in the last 20 years from our priests that are being ordained in our seminarians. There's just so much joy there. That's what the kids need. That's what my kids need to see, to think about how God might be inviting them to courage, but also joy in this in this life. Well, it's the right question, mm-hmm. isn't it? What, what did God make me for? Because God made us to be happy. God made us to mm-hmm. be flourish, uh, to, to, to flourish. And uh, whatever our calling in life is, is a path uh, to that. Now, Jesus makes it very clear that it's not going to be a path uh, without mm-hmm. effort, without uh, mm-hmm. a struggle. But uh, it's the path of love, which is the path uh, that uh, is the only real satisfaction in life. So I think asking the question that way is very important for any vocational decision, say something like marriage. Uh, who does God, after a young man or a woman decides or sees that what God wants for them is married life, then the next question is, well, who do you want mm-hmm. me to marry, God? So I can be a saint mm-hmm. and uh, I can help mm-hmm. her be a saint. Oh, beautiful. That's you know, and this leads, I think, uh, kind of naturally what you were saying, especially Mary, of like, you know, the model of joyful priests. And you were saying you didn't really feel like you had much of a model of that. When I might have. Up. I just don't, I don't remember, you know, I, I don't want to slam the priest. Well, yeah. <laughs> Growing up, and Every especially in high school, I definitely did. But no, <laughs> but when I was really young, I, you know, yeah, I didn't yeah. engage much with it. So, yeah. No, but I mean, obviously, this is a year of praying for priestly vocations. And so we're praying for for those who are not yet priests, of course, to consider the vocation. But I think, you know, it brings up a good point, which brought up, which which was brought up on a recent podcast on Detroit Stories, episode 33, 
It was called Air Support for Priests. And so uh, taking this year as a time to pray for the priests that we do have and praying for them to be that joyful example so then that will only help and increase vocations, right? So, I mean, that was a a kind of a beautiful podcast speaking about how we... um, basically a, a structure by which we regularly adopt kind of a priest uh, and then pray for them and really just lay them before the Lord on a regular basis, partly just because they're a priest. And so they just need the prayers. Uh, yeah. But I think especially for the sake of vocations and their and their own vocation producing fruits of further vocations, you know, mm-hmm. so. Very good point, Mike. Uh, praying for vocations is certainly, first of all, to pray that those that men will be called and be able to answer and accept the consecration. But uh, we're also praying for those who have accepted their Mm -hmm. vocation, that they'll continue to be faithful to it because God calls every day, not just once for uh, uh, without any further uh, Mm -hmm. invitation. I wanted to mention too, that the office for priestly vocations, um, and that's Father Craig Guerra, right? Archbishop Vigdron. Right. Yeah, he's doing yes. such good work. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend of ours. I'm so uh, I'm so happy he's in that role because I know he takes it so seriously and is um, obviously it's bearing much fruit. But they've made available um, a lot of resources for parishes, schools, religious education programs, families, and individuals um, for the year to come. And they can be found at PrayForVocations.com. And I think that's really important that anybody that's listening to this podcast go check out that website and see some of the resources and how we can all participate together. It seems silly, but there's these little armbands i don't know if you've seen them archbishop ignorant that somebody's handing out downtown do you? i have one and it's it's says pray for vocations right yes. and my son's wearing them and i just think even something hmm. like that again my lens is always looking at young people right and so having my sons wearing these little armbands to you know the rec center and when they play basketball and football with their friends that don't go to catholic school when they're with their cousins that kind of stuff i think really does provide a type of witness that begins a conversation and so i think it's just so important and i know archbishop you might have something to add here but that our listeners really kind of engage in that part too really to take ownership over this if we as a diocese can rally together i know the lord's going to show up well it's uh, you know part of uh, the impulse of the synod which is a response to uh, what the popes have called us to do is uh, to be a church on mission uh, no bystanders this is another way that there's uh, right. we're moving beyond having yeah. bystanders this is everybody's concern not just uh, Father Gira, not just mm-hmm. the Archbishop, not just my parish priest, mm-hmm. but uh, the whole church is taking ownership. And I think that's uh, that's the key. It's beautiful because I think it also, it just, it draws together the body of Christ for a, a united cause. And I think that the spirit, and it really, it does, I, I love that you reference the synod. It all, it all, to me, that goes back to the heart of that synod and, and coming together as a diocese to really look differently at how we are um, responding as a church in the Archdiocese of Detroit. And this is just, it's another step in that journey, right? Right. And Mary, I think uh, we don't maybe give it a lot of uh, attention but in this uh, approach uh, of no bystanders, we are really uh, offering a, 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 count, a, a counter witness to the culture because uh, down deep embedded in our culture is a kind of paradigm of uh, con- uh, consumer mentality. Mm-hmm. We consume things, we have consumer experiences and uh, the, uh, there's a, a danger that we can even bring that into the mm. church. 
that uh, I'm, I'm a client, I'm a customer at mm -hmm. my parish, and I want certain experiences, and the staff, the priests, have to give them to mm -hmm. me. And there's a danger for that attitude, even uh, suffusing family life, uh, that uh, people think of uh, their family as uh, a customer mm -hmm. experience rather than something where uh, they build up the everybody's respond has some kind of responsibility uh, to make for a vibrant mm. community uh, they're not just uh, giver uh, they're not yeah. just takers but everybody has to give and i think that's very important for the church to uh, be countercultural that way uh, for everybody to be engaged everybody in the church to yes. be a giver it and not say, well, that's the, that's just the priest's responsibility. Right. Now we have different kinds of responsibility for the community, but we're all responsible for mm. one another. Amen. And I, I think that's that's really good mm. news because this attitude of uh, uh, con this consumer mentality is really very destructive of the human mm. soul. Very interesting. Yeah. Archbishop, I didn't know, was there anything else that you'd like to, to add on this topic of the year of priestly vocations? Any other final kind of points that you wanted to make? Well, I want to be very grateful to uh, all the people of the Archdiocese who are uh, embracing this call to pray this year for uh, priestly mm -hmm. vocations and for those who are called to be able to answer. Uh, there's been a very good response, and I give God thanks and praise for that. Amen. So we've reached the point in the podcast where we're going to ask you, Archbishop Vigneron, questions that were submitted by the faithful. If you're listening and you'd like to submit a question, feel free to email eyesonjesuspodcast at aod.org. When you email, be sure to include your name, your parish, and of course, your question. Once again, that's eyesonjesuspodcast at aod.org. Our first question is from Jennifer at Our Lady of Victory, and Jennifer asks... Do you enjoy cooking? If so, what is one of your favorite things to make? And if not, what is one of your favorite meals to eat? I do uh, enjoy cooking from time to time. Uh, I'm not, uh, not something I do even mm -hmm. every week, but I enjoy making something to eat if uh, uh, the cupboard is bare and the people I'm with need something, uh, uh, some nourishment. Yeah. And what I usually do is make pasta and I make a sauce out of what just happens to be at hand. So whatever, uh, I get creative. I'm not afraid to innovate. So that's what I do for cooking. The next question is from Nancy, and she's at St. Joe's in Lake Orion. Uh, Nancy's question is this. Who is an underrated female saint? One that many people don't know much about, right? but they should. I have two answers to that. Uh, one uh, would be the mother of uh, St. Therese of mm -hmm. Lisieux, St. Zélie. I don't know how widely known she is. I think people who are very devoted to St. Therese know that her mother and father are mm -hmm. canonized. But I do think uh, it merits, uh, St. Zélie merits much uh, wider attention as a, a holy woman who found her holiness as, mm. as a mother. The other uh, saint I don't uh, know that people appreciate enough is one I look to very much as an inspiration, and that's St. Bernadette uh, mm. Subeiru, because I think she's a great example of an evangelist. Uh, 
as I understand uh, Lourdes, uh, the Lord Jesus sent his mother uh, to Lourdes to be an evangelist about his mercy. And in turn, uh, Our Lady sent Bernadette to be uh, the bearer of this great message. And she was uh, dauntless in the fidelity to mm. her mission. And I think uh, to me, she's, uh, she offers great inspiration in, in that way. Those are great choices. I love that you mentioned St. Zaley. One of my goals in life as a mother with my husband would be to take a pilgrimage to Lisieux for that reason, to mm. to pray with this holy couple that raised this holy family, the domestic mm. church, right? There's such a powerful witness there. Um, and to me, it's, it's she's a beautiful saint to, yeah. to look towards an example and intercession for. I was just reading about her trouble with, I think, was it her youngest mm. daughter? who was uh, really petulant and uh, uh, fought her at uh, every mm -hmm. step of the way, and I believe now whose cause is also being advanced. And I thought, wow, doesn't that sound like yes. lots of mothers dealing with <laughs> yes. lots of daughters? And that's why this pilgrimage is on the front of my pilgrimage locations, because the, <laughs> the ups and downs of family life, I feel, um, when I've read what I've read about that family <laughs> is it was just it was lived in experience right the real nitty-gritty of raising trying to help raise saints <laughs> mm. so yeah it's good stuff as far as Bernadette Subaru Archbishop do you have any suggestions on how like she did she do any writings herself or is there any suggestions of ways that you have to, to learn more about her as well there are biographies uh, that she I don't know that she wrote anything mm. I couldn't be sure on that but uh, certainly from uh, the investigations into the apparitions, uh, she offered a, lot, uh, a great deal of testimony of her own experience. Uh, I think there are also some letters that oh. she wrote. So I would suggest uh, there are some very good biographies about St. Bernadette. Thank you. Yeah, both great, great um, female saints to pray for their intercession and learn more about to help our faith walk. Our last question is from Gina. This is such an interesting question, Archbishop Ignorant. She, Gina is from St. John the Baptist in Monroe, and her question is, if you could change places with one person from the Bible, who would it be and why? To begin to answer this, I'm going to make a comment on the question yeah. itself. It reminds me of uh, something that appears in the writings of the great theologian Hans Urs von mm -hmm. Balthasar. And von Balthasar says that... Uh, one of the ways to know the path, the particular path the Lord has for each of us, is to see which of the characters in the scripture uh, one, is, uh, ident one identifies with. And that'll give you light on the path that you have. Uh, so I think that this is a very important kind of question, uh, not, just, not just a matter of curiosity. And the uh, character in the Bible that uh, I would think about identifying with, I don't know about change places, but mm. identify with is uh, St. John, the beloved disciple, because of his intimacy mm. with the Lord and his fidelity to have uh, uh, had the courage to stand with the Lord uh, while he was mm. crucified on mm. Golgotha. That's an insightful, um, that's yeah. an insightful way to look and, and read scripture there. So thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Well, Archbishop, as we close, I always, of course, want to ask if you have any specific prayer intentions that we can keep in mind and pray for you for this next month. Well, I'd like uh, to ask people to be particularly focused uh, 
especially this uh, first full month of the year of prayer for vocations on the prayer for okay. vocations. And uh, also include a prayer for our new auxiliary bishop, Archbishop mm. Russell. Archbishop, just out of curiosity, when does he begin? Does he begin July? We're beginning his, uh, we're having a solemn mass uh, to welcome him and inaugurate his ministry on the 7th of July at the cathedral. Fantastic. And is that open to anybody that would like to come? Yes. I'm sure we'll be talking about that more in a future podcast. Yes, so. I bet we will. That might even be July's topic. We'll see. There you go. <laughs> Archbishop, would you mind closing us with a, with a prayer and a blessing? How about if we use the prayer for uh, that we've been that I've composed mm. for vocations? That be all right. Sounds great. Heavenly Father, Lord of the Harvest, call forth vocations to the priesthood from our archdiocese and families. Jesus, eternal High Priest, give us men willing to sacrifice and serve, make their hearts after Your own Sacred Heart. Holy Spirit, everlasting love between the Father and Son, strengthen, inspire, and set men on fire with divine charity. Grant them the courage to say yes to their vocation. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Mother of Priests, comfort and protect your sons as they discern their call. With St. Joseph, may they know your love and companionship as they deepen their relationship with Jesus. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. St. Anne, pray for us. St. John Vianney, patron saint of priests, pray, pray for, for us. us. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Mike. And thanks to all those who have tuned in. And I offer this blessing for all of you and your families. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Archbishop. You're welcome. Stay tuned for the next episode of Eyes on Jesus, a new episode every month. And if you enjoyed listening, you might also like Detroit Stories, a podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find it on your favorite podcast app.